Hello, and thank you for listening. I'm Jay Lemons. Welcome to Leaders on Leadership, brought to you by Academic Search and the American Academic Leadership Institute. The purpose of our podcast is to share the stories of the people and forces that have shaped leaders in higher education and learn more about their thoughts on leadership in the academy. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by Dr. Gary Crosby. Gary Crosby is the president of St. Elizabeth University in New Jersey, where he recently celebrated his one-year anniversary. His previous administrative leadership roles include positions at Alabama A&M and Jackson State. Gary holds a bachelor's degree in criminal justice from the University of Southern Mississippi and a master's degree in political science and a doctorate in urban and regional planning from Jackson State University. He was an ACE fellow at Rutgers University, Newark, and holds a certificate in educational management from Harvard University. He's also a proud protege of the 2016 Millennium Initiative of the American Association of State Colleges and Universities. I had the pleasure of getting to know Gary through the search that brought him to St. Elizabeth, and I'm really thrilled that he is our guest today. Welcome to you, Gary. Thank you, Jay, so very much for having me and for, for such a uh, generous uh, introduction. Uh, very delighted to spend time with you um, on this podcast and certainly appreciate the great support offered to leaders uh, through academic search and through your personal uh, commitment to developing and supporting leaders across the country. So thank you for having me, Jay. Thank you. And I thank you on behalf of our listeners, because I know that yours is um, yours is a wonderful story. And um, I, uh, I, I, I will tell you that I, I find myself oft quoting a line that I first heard from you applied to the notion of presidential search. But I want to begin by um, you know, really asking you to talk a little bit about the people who shaped your own pathways to leadership. And, and um, tell us your story, Gary Crosby, and talk with us about the people, the events, the opportunities that have really forged the person and the leader that you have become and are becoming as your junior in higher education um, has unfolded thus far. Wow, Jay, that's, that's a, a powerful uh, request and that my, my journey, as I reflect back on it, to the presidency uh, really began when I was in the fourth grade in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. I grew up in the shadows of uh, the university's football stadium there in Hattiesburg and was truly a latchkey kid. Um, my grandmother, a single parent household, if you will, um, raised me. She gave me her absolute best, um, but she also had to work to provide uh, for the family. And so that often required her to work from 4 p.m. until 1 a.m. Um, and even with that, with that schedule, I never missed a meal. My homework was questionable and that I was in the fourth grade and attempting to do fourth grade homework to the best of my abilities. Um, but she would always check my homework once she returned home from, from work. Um, unfortunately, given the fact that she had to provide for the family, um, it was not until my senior year in high school um, that I was able to connect my performance K-12 to my acceptance and uh, success in college. And I had a reality check, and that reality check came in the form of my high school guidance guidance counselor, uh, 
She called home and told my grandmother, Gary, if Gary is going to college, he must get it, get his act together. And so my grandmother in her true fashion said, it's not if he is going to college and I'll underscore him getting his act together. And so therein launched my journey to the presidency and that looking back on it now, um, understanding the importance of introducing college and college preparedness to children at a very early age will in fact set them up for uh, future success. Um, I've always been a leader and that was instilled in me again by my grandmother. She often forced me to read things to find the answer. And it's uh, so funny that I now uh, do the same with, with my oldest daughter, Julia. If there's a question and I think it's somewhere in the literature, I tell her to read the literature and come back to me with the answer. Um, but she also instilled in me a deep commitment of standing in service to others, um, as well as being committed to whatever job that you're doing, but not to the point where it's self-gratifying, but that you're in fact helping, helping others. So above everything else, um, the, the most influential person in, in my life up to this point is my grandmother, Lois Harper Seals. Um, I've been very fortunate to also have outstanding uh, mentors, uh, President Emeritus of Alabama A&M University, Andrew Hugini Jr., um, Nancy Cantor at Rutgers University, Newark, Chuck Middleton, President Emeritus of Roosevelt University, and so many others um, poured into me across my journey that, that I'm able to do this high impact work in a very thoughtful, uh, humane manner. Um, if I had to identify one experience that prepared me for the presidency, for this opportunity, um, I'll, I'll go back to 2020, and that was when COVID hit. Mm -hmm. uh, to be able to pivot the university, at that time I was at Alabama a and University serving as vice president of student affairs, and uh, the president charged me with not only preparing the university for COVID-19, but to also, uh, he also charged me with steering the university um, in a very healthy and safety, safe manner for our students, faculty, and staff. And so with that, Jay, as you can imagine, I had my hands in everything, academics, community engagement, the students, of course, given my capacity, working with alumni and parents. And during that high impact work, during a time when we had absolutely no idea where the world was going, opened my eyes to what the presidency really is. Um, no two days are the same. And so I look at this work in that manner. Um, one must be flexible and agile enough to pivot um, when necessary to continue to deliver on the mission of the institution. And that singular experience being the leader of the COVID-19 preparedness and response task force uh, really opened my eyes to what true leadership is and how you lead from the heart uh, most of the time, but certainly from the head as well. Well, thank you so much, Gary. There's no doubt um, there are going to be, uh, there might be a whole um, subgenre of leadership books um, written about leading in COVID and leading in crisis. Um, um, you know, I, I, uh, uh, 
I'm, I'm particularly proud of, uh, of, of, of the search that led to your appointment at, at St. Elizabeth. Um, and, and a part of that is really bound up in the trust, the confidence, um, and the spirit of, of, of your board um, who saw in you qualities um, that led them to have, I think, in so many ways, um, great conviction and courage. You're a pioneer at St. Elizabeth. Uh, as I have said to you before, you're a triple pioneer. You're the first male. You're the first person of color. And the first person that wasn't, um, you know, cradled as a, a member of, of the world of Catholicism to hold the presidency. And I know, because I was privileged to be along on that journey, um, how that all unfolded. But I'd love for you to reflect, because we have many people who are like you, breaking new ground and providing new models of leadership within their institution. Um, to talk a little bit about that um, and, and advice that you might have for others who might be first um, of, of any number of different dimensions of identity. The first piece of advice I'll give is to understand fit. Fit with the institution and the institution's fit with uh, what you value as an individual. I've worked across my career in uh, higher education, only in higher education, at mission-driven organizations committed to first-generation, in many cases, low-income, high-pill uh, recipient student population. And so when the opportunity at St. Elizabeth University presented itself, the first thing I looked at, of course, I went to iPads and looked at the data about the, uh, uh, to, to, to glean from the data regarding the student body. Um, I immediately saw myself in that data and that I'm a first generation college student in my immediate family, um, first generation college graduate, I, sh I should say, in my immediate family, um, pale recipient, um, from a single uh, parent household. And so that spoke to me. Uh, the second thing that I looked at was of course the mission of the institution uh, to understand how the mission might align with what I value as an individual. Um, as I shared with you in my previous, re previous response, my grandmother always instilled in me to be of service to others. And so imagine my surprise when I read the mission and service jumped off the page at me. Um, I knew immediately that it was a great fit. Um, that feeling was supported by my very first conversation with the search committee. And it was in fact a conversation. It was not an interrogation. It was us talking about my experiences and how my experiences might align with the needs of, of the university. And I walked away from that first engagement feeling really, really good about uh, St. Elizabeth University and how I might be a, a great fit for leading the institution into its destiny. And um, I'm so very glad that I, I applied for this opportunity because that application 
forced me to better understand the organization and again, how I might fit within uh, the institution. That's coming in the door. Now that I'm here, Jay, to be very candid, and I've been absolutely clear about this, it's not about me being the first person of color, non-Catholic, first male. The work that we do at this institution is all about preparing our students for the now, their next, and beyond. And with that level of preparedness, I can't, and I refuse to get bogged down in, in being, be, being the first or, or the thought of, of being the first. Um, and that, you know, to be, to be candid, I get out of bed every morning because I'm so interested in what we can do as a team, not, not Gary as the president, but the leadership as a team to drive the results, to give students the absolute best education that they can receive at, from any other institution um, in the country. But there's something special about St. Elizabeth University that only we can deliver. And uh, that's, what I, that's what I'm focused on and that's what I'm committed to. Thank you. I, I really appreciate that. And um, amen. Um, leadership is not an individual sport. It's a team uh, sport. Um, and uh, you know, Gary, I'm going to deviate just a little bit because um, I know there's a certain chunk of our listenership who um, have backgrounds like you. Um, and and uh, I will say uh, also myself. Um, uh, the, the most common route to the presidency is through the chief academic officer's role. Um, and yet yours is one that led you um, through um, the student affairs um, uh, ranks. And maybe, you know, if you have any thoughts about um, uh, what it is, um, you know, I'm, I'm going to mix this together. Um, any special advice for um, leaders who might be in student affairs and aspire to the presidency, and then maybe more generally um, ask you your thoughts and, and advice about anyone who aspires to leadership. Sure. I, I believe my response is applicable to both, and that's to step outside of your comfort zone. Um, if you're a student, of, student affairs professional, if, if you've grown up or if you've cut your teeth, I should say, in student affairs, don't be afraid of the academic affairs side of the house. Find new ways to get involved and to understand what's, occur what's occurring in academic affairs. Um, so that way you're able to connect the co-curricular experience with the curricular experience, things that students, they're, that they're learning about in the classroom. That is in fact the mission of every institution of higher learning is to educate students. Uh, and, and, and you might be surprised to hear this coming from a student affairs professional, but it's not about what we do outside of the classroom. What we do outside of the classroom is in support of what students learn from fabulous faculty, all across institutions of higher learning. Um, so step outside of your comfort zone, um, not just with academic affairs, but also talk with your colleagues in the institutional advancement to understand ways in which you might get involved in fundraising for the mission of the university. Uh, that's a very critical part of, of the work that we do now as presidents is we're responsible for bringing resources to the institution that's going to support the mission. Um, not just one particular part of the mission, but the mission, the full mission of the institution. And so I've always been, been mindful of those things. Um, early in my career, I would volunteer for committees. 
Um, I would volunteer when I was when I first started in student affairs to go and sit at the front desk in one of our residential facilities because I needed to understand the basics of how to run such a facilities and and the turnaround time for something as simple as a maintenance repair. So then as I moved up the up the chain of command, I could speak from firsthand knowledge of uh, things that we should in fact do in order to move the needle. Um, the, the other piece of advice I'll give Jay is for individuals interested in advancing to or into leadership roles, not just the presidency, but perhaps a vice presidency at a, at a larger institution is to understand what you value values, what you value as an individual and how your values might influence the mission in a positive way. Um, but first you must understand yourself. And by understanding yourself, you're then able to, to do this high impact work, uh, no matter if it's a presidency or a vice presidency, again, at a, at a, at a large institution or even a smaller institution. Understanding self is very important to being successful in, in this role. Now, just generally speaking, um, it's important to have a spirit of, of, of hungriness, humbleness. And uh, th there's a third piece of the formula, which, which I'm sure I have an opportunity to address um, at a later time during our conversation, but to always be a student, um, mm -hmm. to always be open to new ways of doing things uh, served me well, and I've seen it serve others well um, across their journey into, into leadership. Um, you can't get bogged down in the, way, in the ways of business from yesterday because the world is changing so much. And with the world changing, you must remain relevant and in order to remain relevant, one, I think, must always be a student of the academy and the world in which we live and work. Thank you. Uh, thank you very much. And I do think you're right. Um, uh, the general and the specific blend together very nicely um, in that advice. Gary, when I... Um, yeah, I'm mindful that uh, President Jim Ryan at the University of Virginia um, uh, just issued a sort of an interim report um, on what they're calling the great and good um, uh, 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 plan uh, for the University of Virginia. Uh, and it, I love it because I like to ask uh, our guests, what in your mind makes a good leader? And, and by good, I really don't mean uh, a grade B leader. I mean, virtuous, effective, successful. In my mind, a good leader is one at the front. It's not, and, and let me let me dial this back a, a minute, not at the front in the sense of I'm the leader, but at the front doing the work, doing the high impact work, leading by example, which is something that we all um, heard, I think, early on, maybe in a second or third grade, uh, I, at least I know I did. Uh, leading by example, uh, showing up to things when you say when you say that you're going to show up uh, is very very important to me because it shows that you're committed to this work that you're doing. And in order to be successful, one must be 
committed. Um, to be an effective leader, um, it's important to add diversity of voice around the leadership table um, and to understand that through the diversity of voices is, is when you truly have effective strategies that's going to drive the success of the organization. When those voices bubble to the top, to be open to what those voices, what, what they're saying. Um, and then, as, as I've said before, to just lead from the heart, but be sure to strike balance uh, with the mind as well, because you, you, you need to think through these uh, very challenging days that we have in leadership, and you can't allow your heart to drive all of your decisions. You, you need to be able to use your head um, in order to move the university forward when you're dealing with finances or um, perhaps accreditation issues and, and other things that might pop up. Or, you know, in my case, I like to call turning over a rock and seeing something that you need to address immediately. Your heart may not have time to react. And so you need to lead um, with your head. Above everything else, Jay, I think being a good leader is about being committed to the organization, growing where you're planted. Mm -hmm. If you're always looking for your next opportunity, then you're not focused on the now. You're thinking about what's next and beyond. And so the now is suffering. And so a good leader is focused on the organization um, that, uh, that they occupy at that given point in time. Um, that's not to say that you shouldn't have aspirations, but again, focus on the work of the now. Everything else will take care of itself in the future. Wonderful. I've already been acknowledged earlier that leadership is not always about just an individual, but about the team. And when you're creating a team, what are you looking for in those leaders that you surround yourself with? And you acknowledge some of that already. Certainly, um, those around the table must be hungry, humble, and smart. We can't rest on our laurels of the past. We must think of innovative ways to drive results. The market, Jay, is so competitive today. Yeah. I, I was reading uh, earlier this week where an Ivy League institution here in the state of New Jersey is offering a free education, of course, to students um, from families with an income of $100,000 or less. Um, that's no surprise in that universities, they've been doing this for a few years now. And so for lack of a better phrase, we're all fishing in the same pond. Mm -hmm. And so it's competitive. But leaders, I think, must have discussions around the value of a degree and an experience at your institution. And so if you're hungry, humble, and smart, then, of course, you're able to have those conversations because you understand that, um, yes, you need to grow in the now, but also prepare for what's next and beyond, as I said before. Um, I also look... I'm very mindful of my gaps. And so when I'm looking for leadership to support the mission of the university, to work with me as a vice president or chief administrative officer on the campus, I look for the fit 
mm-hmm. with the mission, but also the fit with respect to where I may lack in an area. And uh, going back to, to, to your previous question, a good leader must always know his or her gaps. So that way, as you as you recruit or retain your talent, you know what you need in order to be successful, not as an individual, but as the president of the university. And so I look for all of those things in, in uh, leadership um, around the cabinet table. Thank you. Thank you. I want to take you up a little bit. Pull back. When you think about, and you mentioned this, um, uh, the, the incredible competitive context that we live in, but what are the most pressing challenges facing leaders in higher ed today? Enrollment is at the top of the list for me, given the the type of institution where I serve, we're enrollment driven. Yeah. And it's a competitive market. And so how do you, how do we separate ourselves from the others, not just within the state, but across the country? Mm-hmm. Um, so enrollment is is at the at the top of the list for me in terms of um, critical challenges that that we face as as higher education. Um, also, finding innovative ways to deliver on our mission is going to be very important moving forward. Students today that are coming into institutions of higher learning today, if you think back. Most, if not all, of their high school career uh, was remote. Their high school experiences uh, delivered in a remote format. And so where institutions in the past and even today perhaps underscored and valued in-person lectures, we're now teaching a generation of students with a deep appreciation and affinity for things such as Netflix and Hulu and this on-demand culture. And so how do we compete with this on-demand desire that we're seeing our students um, um, ask for? We need to think innovatively about that and continue to push the needle and to have the type of leaders around the table that can understand, in fact, what our students need um, in order to to be successful. I'll also say that um, a challenge that I that I found um, in, in, in my opportunity is that we we need to do a lot more in the sense of telling our story. How do you tell a compelling story when you have so many other similar institutions that students understand what's special about St. Elizabeth University? versus another institution in the state of New Jersey. And so finding a compelling way to tell the history and uh, the the future of St. Elizabeth University will in fact serve us well, but it is a challenge because institutions across the country were really saying the same thing. Small classes, in our case, 45 minutes from New York City. Well, there are several other institutions between here and New York City. So how do we separate ourselves from the competition and do so in a very thoughtful, innovative and engaging manner is a challenge, but we're certainly up to it, which is why um, in the most recent US uh, News and World Report rankings, we rose uh, 13 spots from last year. 
is because we're focused on those things, Jay, and meeting the needs of our students. But it's very challenging. And that's why you need the support um, of, of your leadership team, of your family, of, of mentors, not just one mentor, but a team of mentors that you can call yeah. when you're facing uh, various challenges and, and, and receive very, very strong sage advice as to how you might consider moving forward. Uh, thank you for, for those thoughts. Um, you do have um, a, a distinctive history and um, that legacy of, uh, of St. Elizabeth Seton and uh, the Sisters of Charity um, do distinguish you from, uh, from some of the institutions, although I uh, recognize there are uh, other places close by that also were born of the same traditions, but uh, um, you have that remarkable heritage and history of the uh, of you know the boldness and the adaptability of the sisters of charity that are uh, an important part of that story, aren't they? Absolutely, and that's the story that we're telling. Uh, the fact that that Saint Elizabeth University was founded in 1899 by the sisters of charity of Saint Elizabeth with one clear mission. Yeah, And that mission remains unchanged today. And that's to find those with the greatest need and to deliver uh, to the best of our abilities uh, all that we can to fill the gaps that might exist. Yeah. And so the mission today, and I'm so very proud of it, remains the same. Um, and the fact that I'm able to walk out of my office and across the street yeah. and talk with the General Superior and other Sisters of Charity of St. Elizabeth. Um, it's very special to me. And um, the, the support that we have from the Sisters um, is, is one that we underscore and what uh, separates St. Elizabeth University from other institutions with perhaps a similar um, background. Also the fact that we have Sisters on the board and I think, Jay, that I have the absolute best board of trustees at any institution in, in the country, not because they selected me, but because of what they're able to do in support of St. Elizabeth University. And I'm not talking about financially, I'm talking about the mission of the university, which is so important. Wonderful. Gary, I'm going to move us into what I sometimes call a lightning round, where I'm going to, you can, I'm going to ask shorter questions. You can expand and um, and go as long as you want, um, uh, but uh, the questions will be a little shorter. Um, oh, this is fun. Uh, yeah, think, 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 think uh, you know, PTI a little bit. Um, uh, <laughs> I think we, I think we uh, uh, can anticipate um, the answer to the first of these um, based on something you've already said, and I, I invite repetition. And I invite any, you know, sort of uh, last th thoughts you might want. But who most influenced you in your life? Oh, certainly my grandmother, uh, Lois Harper Seals, um, most influenced me and her commitment to work, um, her values, um, the way that she sacrificed so that others could have a, a um quality of life that, that we enjoy today. Um, the fact that she would give her last to someone in need and she always stood in service to others. And I've learned so much, so very much from uh, my grandmother, even up until death, her death, um, she continued to teach 
me how to live a life worth meaning. So she's the most influential person uh, in my life. And thank you. And and I I will I will share um, that you've just very recently lost her, and 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 um, so honoring her memory and and dedicating this program to her is uh, is uh, is truly beautiful, Gary. Um, what's your fondest memory of your undergraduate experience? <laughs> Meeting my wife in political science class. Um, both undergraduates at the University of Southern Mississippi, uh, located there in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. Eagles. Go Eagles. That's right. And so was uh, in political science class and saw this very beautiful young lady. And uh, as we like to say in the South, the rest is history. <laughs> we'll let it remain at that. <laughs> Is there a favorite tradition, um, a campus tradition, at a place that you've attended or served that you would uh, would would raise up? Oh, that's a loaded question, Jay. Let's see. Um, during my my first two years as an undergraduate student at Jackson State University, before transferring to the University of Southern Mississippi, um, I attended Jackson State on a marching band scholarship and. Huh. Jackson State's marching band is perhaps the best college marching band, I think, that exists in the country. And there's a tradition of marching into the stadium with 55 to 60,000 uh, fans screaming as you enter the stadium as a member of this 250 marching band unit um, playing the Temptations Get Ready. And at one part of the stadium, there is a ramp, which the marching band is, is expected to march up this ramp and then uh, on to, to the section in which, uh, um, well, where we sat, I should say. Yeah. Um, and that feeling, that tradition of, of marching into the stadium, playing what I think is perhaps one of the most recognized songs uh, by by perhaps one of the best uh, groups that exist, uh, the Temptations, with fifty to sixty thousand fans screaming, and it's it's a tradition that you can't you can't uh, you can't let go of. And so, you know, even now I find myself going back to homecoming at Jackson State, still in awe many years later of this tradition. In many cases, it, it remains the same as it was when I was in a band and certainly uh, for the years uh, that, that uh, predated my time as a member of the marching band. Um, most recently, I will say a tradition that I hold near and dear to my heart um, is a few at St. Elizabeth University. The opening mass uh, is one that I, that, that it really hit me in the heart to see students come um, Catholics and, and non-Catholics like to attend mass and to pray for a successful year and to leave gifts at the at the altars, one that um, I, I, I really love because I am a man of faith. I'm driven by my faith. And so to see students also embrace uh, their faith is 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 refreshing to me as a person of faith again, but certainly as, as president of um, 
a Catholic university. Yeah. Um, another tradition that I really enjoy uh, here at St. Elizabeth University is Fall Fest, which is a festival where we celebrate our students as well as the community. Hmm. And we bring everyone to campus and it's 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 like a family reunion. You, you get to see alumni and uh, current students and community supporters all in one central location um, in support of St. Elizabeth University. Um, again, it, it, it makes you feel good. I know me as the president, I, I really like to see uh, that type of interaction with our current students, uh, alums, and, and the community that stand in support of, of the university. So I know you asked for one, but I just had to give you a few love it. traditions love that I that I really, really like. Well, love it. And and I, you know, um, the demands of leadership are great. Um, um, but so often I believe that tradition is that place in which um, our wells are renewed. Um, uh, they are refreshed. Um, yes. and they bring us back to first principles, just as you uh, as you said, um, um, you know, uh, St. Elizabeth University was born at the, the you know, the intersections of, uh, of the commitments of the, the, the Sisters of St. Charity and meeting the need through educational opportunities. And, um, and, and that mass is a wonderful example of exactly that in a way that uh, brings your community together. So, you know, uh, Gary, I've enjoyed every minute of this. Um, one of our traditions um, is that we like to close by inviting you um, uh, to share with our listeners the, you know, the distinctive qualities, or if you will, the organizational DNA that makes St. Elizabeth so very special to you and to those um, you share the journey with and serve. Well, Jay, again, thank you so very much for your for your time and giving me this platform to discuss leadership uh, and above everything else. St. Elizabeth University, um, a remarkable institution of higher learning, again, founded in 1899 by the Sisters of Charity of St. Elizabeth uh, with, with, a, with a very compelling mission, and that's to meet the needs of, of, of those with the greatest needs. And um, that, remission remain, that mission, I should say, remains unchanged today. And I'm so very fortunate that it's woven into the fabric of uh, St. Elizabeth University, and it's evident in our academic programs and our commitment to healthcare. It's also evident in our co-curricular experience. Um, the mission is at the forefront um, of, of, the, of, of the school year, the opening to the school year, where we send hundreds of students out in the community to be of service to those in need. Um, the fact that um, we're, we're, still, we're still standing 124 years later when so many organizations, so many institutions with a very similar background, they've closed, uh, closed their doors. But for the support that we've received from the sisters, from our alumni association, from our parents, the community, our students, um, you know, St. Elizabeth University could have been one of those institutions. Um, the sisters had a saying back when uh, the university was a family business, and that saying was simply, God will provide. And the fact that God continues to provide for St. Elizabeth University um, is certainly moving the university forward. 
Um, the university is very different today than it was, say, back in 2015. In fact, we're, we're now co-ed, uh, which uh, the uh, transitioned to co-ed in 2016, and the demographics shifted almost overnight. We're now Hispanic-serving, minority-serving uh, institution. Uh, 93 to 96% of our students come from the state of New Jersey, and they often return back to their uh, communities to, to, to stand up, uh, to be of service to those uh, in need there. 70% um, of our students are Pell recipients, um, and about 90% of our students receive some sort of financial aid. So there's a great need here for the students of St. E's, but our students are the best. And with that need, they're still focused on graduating from St. Elizabeth University securing a wonderful opportunity so that they're able to support their families, uh, but also to give back to the organization that gave so much to them over these past uh, three, four, maybe five years. Um, and I also want to under, underscore, uh, Jay, that for us, um, and this is a part of the fabric, we're, we're not focused on making the six-year graduation rate the norm. Instead, we've turned our efforts to the four-year graduation rate because that's what our students deserve. That's what they need. And we understand that as quickly as we can get them out of that undergraduate experience, they're able to go out and secure an opportunity and pour back into the lives of those that poured into them. And so all of that's woven into the fabric of, of St. Elizabeth University. And I'm so very fortunate to serve as the university's eighth president at this time in its history. Well, Gary, thank you for joining us on Leaders on Leadership. And we're really happy and proud to have had you and appreciate your sharing your thoughts, your insight, your wisdom about leadership with us. Thank you so very much again for having me, Jay. Um, and, and, and as always, I appreciate the support uh, received from Academic Search and certainly from you and, and others at Academic Search as well. And thank you again for what you do for institutions of higher learning across the country. I mean, I speak for my colleagues when I say that. Thank you for, uh, on behalf of my colleagues, it's truly an honor and a trust to do the work that we um, are called to do by our mission. Um, and um, Gary, thank you for those kind words. To our listeners, um, we welcome your thoughts and suggestions about leaders we might feature in future segments of, uh, of the podcast. You can send those to Leadership Podcast at academicsearch.org. You can find this podcast on the Academic Search website or wherever you find your podcasts. Leaders on Leadership is brought to you by Academic Search and the American Academic Leadership Institute. Together, our mission is to support colleges and universities during times of transition and through leadership development activities that serve current and future generations of leaders in the academy. Again, what a joy it is to see you again, Gary, and have you be a part of our show. So thank you again, and to all, have a great day.